ahead, please go ahead. Do do the the intro. Wait, I was supposed to film that. Oh, what? What are you talking about? I'm turning that paper. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to return that in. <laughs> Wait, return it in. Okay, we're failing. Wait, I was supposed to turn it in. <laughs> This is a failure. This, this, (laughs) the intro has been an abject failure, and we're gonna move forward. That's the intro. Trinisha. Hey. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, I'm healed, I'm saved, I'm sanctified. <laughs> I love it. Yes. How have you been? Um, working, working overtime. I've been tired, but you know, I'm happy to be from Champa Bay. Oh yeah, we have a championship team. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the Super Bowl was Sunday. It's Wednesday, so Super Bowl was a few days ago. Um, you know what? I typically could care less if we're being honest. I typically could care less, but um, you know, I live in Tampa. We both live in Tampa. Um, I own my home there. As much as I try to fight it, I am a Tampanian now. So there was a little bit of pride. And we we have several championship teams now because our hockey team got the um, Stanley Cup. And then, I don't know, some other team. You tell I don't follow sports because I'm like, some other team did some other thing that was important. So, yeah. Oh, I think it was the Rays. Did they win... What's the one in baseball when you... Yeah, they won. Yeah, they were second in the world champion. Okay, see, so we're doing, we're doing big sports-related things. I don't know. I'm, I'm more excited about our hockey team than I am about our football team, to be honest. Girl, I don't follow none of it. I just wait for y'all to tell me to be excited, and then I'm excited. Tampa Bay Lightning has been killing it. I watched the Stanley Cup. It was amazing. And I heard that they, they've been really good for a while. Like the the Bucks, from what I understand, are like are not usually They're trash. Right. We have Tom Brady now, whatever. So cool. But no, like our hockey team though, they they've been legit for some time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They they serve in pressure. It's <laughs> yet. You know, they look funny because you know it's hockey and you gotta fire all the time. <laughs> so it is Black History Month. I'm very excited about that. Me too. Me too, man. I love it. Um, what I don't love is having to actually work during Black History Month. I feel like for reparations, we should stay at home. <laughs> you know what? I support that. Like, right? I that. who do who do we call? Who do we who do we talk? Right? Be like, I just want to be here. I want to get paid for just being here, for just existing. I want to get paid for my blackness alone. <laughs> They're like legislation. Do we like? All about Presley. So if you were going to do legislation, then that would take so much longer than just, you know, unionizing at your job and getting your union to support black issues. 
and presenting that pressure on these companies. Huh? Putting pressure on these companies. Exactly. Exactly. You know, okay, so funny thing. I was in, are you on Fishball? A fishball? It's an app. Oh, I only know about the fishball like that you eat at as a food. I don't know about the app. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Fishball is an app. It's like um, a networking app for like professionals. And it's actually pretty dope. I'm sponsoring Fishball in this conversation because not really, but... I just really have been enjoying it. And so I'm willing to speak to that. But um, it's a professional networking platform. It's an app. And you can essentially join these bowls, which like the, I'm in like marketing bowls. I'm in like a personal investment bowl. So like whatever bowl or topic you're interested in, you join that bowl. And they also do like live events. And the live events are kind of like Clubhouse where they're like audio only and then you can raise your hand and get brought up on stage or whatever. And I was in a really interesting chat today. And it was about basically being black in the tech sector and like, you know, how to how to balance that in life. And it, it was yeah. a it was a really good group of panelists all from really sort of big name tech companies or, you know, big name companies. And <laughs> funny thing happened. I, you know, I'm working while I'm listening to this. So I'm, I'm in and out and I hear my ears perk up because I hear one of the panelists say something along the lines of, you know, we have to, um, we cannot keep blaming, um, you know, racism for, you know, basically certain things that happen to us, like our, like for why we aren't getting where we want to go, something to that effect, right? Like basically like, it's not always racism. And I looked down at the, the you know, the app to be like, am I in the right room? Um, Cause this doesn't sound like something I would, you know, be a part of. <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, I want to see how the rest of the panelists respond to that comment or if they're just going to fly right over that like it wasn't said. Because it was being said within the context of something else. But all I know is as soon as she got talk- finished talking, this other guy, um, and I'm not going to say their names just in case they ever listen to this, but <laughs> this other guy, he unmuted himself so quickly and he was like, um, that is white supremacist talking point. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, he was so ready. He was trying to be like, excuse me, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> he was waiting. He was like, as soon as she stopped talking, I'm going to unmute this mic. His he was hovering over that mute button. <laughs> hovering. And he was essentially like, ma'am, no. Like, th- these are white supremacist talking points. Like, what we're not going to do is peddle these same harmful, you know, the same harmful rhetoric. And, you know, we really, this is not the space for that. And it, it was it was just funny because he said it so forcefully and maybe forcefully is the wrong word, passionately. He was very passionate about it. <laughs> but then, because I was about to leave the room because like, just like on Clubhouse, you could like, they had a little deuces and you could leave quietly. And I was like, so after that, I'm going to have to go ahead and leave quietly because um, sis, what? <laughs> but when he, he brought it back he brought it back because I was like oh, okay somebody in his room got some sense because it <laughs> and I'm really upset that I don't have the exact quote but paraphrase it it was something like you know like we cannot blame racism for our lack of you know insert quality here and I'm like mm, okay 
<laughs> I know, I know what they're talking about. And like to a certain extent, I can kind of see where they're going, but that only applies in very specific situations. That is implying that the person who says that it's racism, that they're either lying or they're exaggerating. And it almost is, it's almost makes it, it turns it into instead of, hey, I'm concerned about inequality in the workplace, it turns into, hey, you're too sensitive or, you know, you're exaggerating or you're just making a big deal or you don't have accountability, you know? It really becomes a whole accountability argument. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you should just be able to overcome it. Like it may that may be the case, but you should just be able to overcome whatever you know situational circumstance is preventing you from achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, you just really need to do away with the excuses. Is was the tone that I got from it, and like mm, you know that just. That, that lacks context. That's lazy. That's lazy thinking. Um, it lacks context. It lacks, um, you know, situational awareness. It it lacks, his, you know, historical context. Because what we're not going to do is ignore the very real, you know, systems that are in place that make some of the things that we want to achieve in the workplace difficult. And I was just so thankful and glad that he called her out on that. So right. much so that, like, I ran to LinkedIn, like, his LinkedIn, and, like, messaged him. And I was like, um, thank you for saying that. Um, just because I felt like he needed to know that he was appreciated in that particular moment. There are so many Black successful entrepreneurs, you know, tech executives, people who've made it in life. There's so many of them that get to that mindset because they're thinking, if I can do it. You can do it because they really buy into the rags to riches American dream. Well, you're so by your bootstrap. Yeah. They, what they don't realize is that that only works if somebody else is in rags. You can't be rich if we're all rich. Right? Absolutely. So it is that you're, you're really like they buy into that thinking that anyone and everyone is capable. And the truth is they're not. They're not for various reasons. First of all, for some people, it wasn't their lot in life to be a business owner. I'm sick of people saying, just have your own business. Well, then who's going to do the other jobs? Who's going to work for you? You know what I'm saying? Not everybody, not everybody needs or even wants to be a business owner. And then, you know, they'll talk down and be like, oh, you don't, you know, that's that poverty, that's that poverty mindset. And, you know, you don't, this is why, this is why we as a people, because, you know, they like to get all woke with it. We as a people holding ourselves back when it's that white man's mentality, like, you know, just something ridiculous. (laughs) No, it's true. It it was a really good conversation. Though. I recommend that anybody that's not on Fishbowl get on Fishbowl um, because it was we that just happened to be a black space that we were in, and there were some white people in the audience too, which also made the comments that much more icky. Because like now you have white people here and you spread this nonsense, which I don't. It's know. embarrassing when it's a it, is, it it was, but um, but it was, but overall, it was a very good productive conversation. Um, and I even, you know, got put on stage or whatever to, you know, make a comment that you don't necessarily have to be in a leadership role or have authority in order to kind of lift as you climb. And then I gave the example of, you know, one of our mutual friends, um, she actually uh, did some work for my company for, um, through her production company. So my organization was looking for a videographer and I like put on Facebook and she responded and I like connected her to my supervisor 
for her to, you know, drop her hat in the ring, the ring uh, for this this videography contract. And she did it. She executed it so well, like I knew she would. And like my supervisor was super happy with the results. But uh, initially, my supervisor was going to go to Upwork. Like she was either going to have a, a white guy end up doing it or somebody in a completely different country, which nothing is wrong with these things inherently. But if I know somebody who also just happens to be a black woman who's going to knock it out of the park, like why would I not tap into my network in order to pull that person into that position? So I just kind of talked about how, you know, just because you're not in, you know, DNI, you know what I mean? Or you're not in a place of authority doesn't mean you can't have an impact on these things, even if it's, Yep. A small one so I you know I thought it was a really important conversation to be having just talking about being black in, in you know certain workspaces I appreciate it it was a good good black history month today I like that <laughs> but you know now that you brought that up this is just one thing that I'm just gonna put out there maybe we could talk about it later so many black people would be conservative if it wasn't for racism and I'm mean like all the way conservative like yeah. <laughs> you oh girl, that's deep. Um here's the here here's the thing. I agree, I disagree. I agree that in the context of America and capitalism, yes, they would. That's what I'm saying. I think that without you know, without us being in this context, no. Because I think you have to think about originally, you know, when we were brought here from West Africa, like that's not that's not African culture. African culture is communal. It, you know, it's very familial. It's very, it's not individualistic. That's a really American concept and one that is sort of bolstered by capitalism here. So I think that, I, I, I think that you do have a point and I, but I think it's because of the specific context in which we live here in this country. I would, I honestly, though, I would still argue even outside this country because every, let's think about it. Let's say, let's say, we still interacted, right? With, um, with you know, our past was still the past. Slavery still happened, whatever. But let's say that the day slavery ended, racism just disappeared like that, right? It doesn't erase the fact, it doesn't erase all the impact that European imperialism has had on most of the continent and with all the, with everyone else in the diaspora that they spread around the place via slavery and other, and, you know, and not, not everybody, and obviously not everybody in the diaspora got to where they are because of slavery, but you know, through different avenues of people traveling and they're so influenced by European culture and ideas, ideas and beliefs. I mean, even with a lot of, a lot of Africans that I've met that have come to, you know, our school, they're very conservative. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like they're, cause they're impacted by that Western idea. Um, Not everybody, but some of them definitely. Well, and I think we're saying the same thing in different ways is that that thought process or that that way of being doesn't happen, though, without that Eurocentric standard of this is the way things should be. You know what I mean? Without that influence, I don't think we get to that place. I think it's directly because of that influence that 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 is the case. You know what I mean? But one of the things that I'm really grateful about and I think something that that sort of fishbowl conversation highlighted is that um I think that we are coming coming into a a place where we are able to contextualize, we're able to 
think critically about ourselves. And I think that some of that is shifting. You know what I mean? We, I think that, and I've noticed this lately, and maybe it's just me, but in recent years, I feel like like people are willing to say, hey, um, why, why is this the way that it is? You know what I mean? Like, where did this come from? Was it always like that? Or was this idea introduced to me somehow? And I think there's a lot of unlearning that is being done. Um, and I see it, you know what I mean? And I see it, and I think that that's progress, you know what I mean? And I don't think that it's, you know, that we, that we're perfect. Anyhow, I think it's a process, but I do think there has been a lot of unlearning about the ways that, you know, race and class and, you know what I mean? Colonialism has impacted our thinking and impacted our society and our culture and how we relate to one another. And I think that there is a lot of learning and unlearning being done on those subjects. And that makes me really, really hopeful that, makes me want to get up and get out of bed in the morning. Oh, so that's like your hope for the future is that we unlearn it all. And, you know, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, well, that's a perfect segue. So it's Black History Month, which I feel like, you know, this episode has been extra Black and Black. All the episodes are Black, but this one, um, this one especially. But if you had a dream, if you had a goal or vision for Black America, things that you want to see for us as a people, what what would they be? Um, I think I want to get to the point where we don't have to explain our Blackness anymore. You know, it just is. Mm. I don't have to go somewhere and people be like, ask me a million and one questions about things that really, why do you even care? You just think it's weird and different. And that's why you're asking me. That, no, that is good. Yeah, I want to get I want to get to the point where we can just be black and just exist, and then it not cause weird conversations with other people. I like that. Yeah, because I think we've all you know been in a situation where you're like trying to explain. For me, it's been black hair. Like I found myself on more than one occasion at work being like, "Oh yeah, you just put the you just put the extension into the hair and you braid it, and then it's." It's, it's in there. That's how it, and they're just sitting there with their mouths hanging open like, what? And I'm like, okay. They're so dramatic. Like, they don't glue in extensions themselves. Honestly, so dramatic for no reason. That reminds me of high school. This girl, I'm going to call her by her name because I don't care, Leah. So she asked me when we were in physics lab and she was like, ah, so you just, you just put other people's hair into your head and I was like yeah sometimes it can be synthetic sometimes it's human hair and she was like "Ah, human hair so like you put white people hair so like you would put my hair in your head and I snapped back so fast I was like nobody wants white people hair Leah nobody wants that that stuff gets sold in the cheap section like it's Asian hair (laughs) and I I just know that was not the win I thought it was but still regardless like to your bigger point though you know it it is exhausting to constantly have to explain just your you know what you are who you are why you are the way you are it's a lot of work which I think leads me to like my point the thing that I would want for us as a community as a culture is just rest 
Um, and I say rest because, you know, as I just mentioned, it is hard work being black and being American, like living in this country, trying to navigate the violence violence the microaggressions like you know the the systemic harms like it, it is exhausting and we don't often get an opportunity to just simply be and it's a lot of work and it, it's physically exhausting it's mentally exhausting and i think that it, and we have and because we live in a capitalist society the the onus is always on us to be productive in order to you know to overcome whatever systemic forces that are at play and, and that is that's an uphill battle and sometimes it's a losing battle and i think one of the things that i wish for us is rest there's this really cool instagram account called the nap ministry and basically <laughs> <laughs> and basically the idea behind it is that like you know that rest is a form of protest and i'm like never identified with something so much like can we just rest okay um but yeah shout out to them and follow them on instagram the nap ministry it says we examine the liberating power of naps we believe rest is a form of resistance and reparations like what <laughs> I love, I love that so much because it makes me want to protest right now. <laughs> I'm going to protest right after this call. Don't worry. <laughs> so hard. Everybody going to hear this protest. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I guess my next hope for the future. Um, I just want to get to the point where we can acknowledge how harmful we are and how toxic we are without having to like, I don't know, get extreme emotional reactions over it. So I feel like we there's so much internalized toxicity and trauma and, you know, and I want to get to the point where we can like acknowledge that and we can healthily face it head on, have those discussions in the household. Because like one thing I think is pretty damaging in the Black community is that idea that what happens in the house stays in the house out of fear of embarrassment, you know, especially because we're constantly thinking about, well, we're black. We can't do what they do. We have to keep up this sort of image, you know, so that way they don't think the worst of us. And then, you know, it creates a harm. It's, it's very stressful. It's very stressful because if you have things going on inside the home and you need help, like how could you ever feel comfortable asking for help when you're always thinking about embarrassment? So I want, you know, I would like for us to get to the point where we can unlearn some of that harmful behavior and we can really acknowledge um, what it takes to heal. Ooh, I love that. Yes. And I think, and I, I think so a part of what you said, and um, which is so important is that we need to be comfortable with each other that we can call out, you know, or call in, you know, when, when that needs to happen. So I can say, hey, Trenisha, um, you know, yeah. Why Why are you thinking like that? Why are you saying that? Like, maybe you should, maybe you need to unpack that and figure out why you're thinking that this is how that has to be. And like you said, for it to not be so emotional. Um, but no, I think it's a really good point. And I think um, it kind of like ties into like my next one too, which is freedom. Um, I think freedom means so many things, but I think one of the things that it means is, um, you know, not worrying about the stigma attached to things and I think that's part of what you're saying is that sometimes like 
we don't express things, we don't we don't move forward and progress because of the stigma attached to so many things that we do. Um, but I think freedom in every area, freedom in all, you know, all facets of life, like like for just a personal sort of antidote. I feel I feel like, you know, I, I want to have like this less problematic, more culturally aware, eat, pray, love sort of experience where I just like quit my job and just go travel the world and see what's out there. But realistically, you know, that's not a, that's not a realistic consideration for me because I have to work, because I have a family that depends on me economically, a family who my success and financial well-being is directly attached to. And that that puts a barrier around my options. It puts a barrier around my freedom. You know what I mean? And that's not a complaint. Like, I'm really grateful and thankful to be in a place where I can take care of my family and help them in certain ways. Right. Um, but that also, that does put a barrier around me as a person because I can only do things that meet that end. You know what I mean? And sometimes it means sacrificing other parts of yourself. And to me, that's like the opposite of freedom. You know what I mean? Freedom is being free and that isn't, you know, um, does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I was just trying to find this um, quote that kind of captures what we were both talking about, about not being afraid of the stigma and not being held back. Actually, well, it doesn't prove it. It actually proves why we need to not let stigma hold us back. But it was from The Boys. Have you seen that show? Mm-mm. where one of the one of the black characters um also i just quick aside i kind of like having black super villains i don't know makes me feel superior but i <laughs> um he he was um he was saying because he i guess something something i'm trying to remember the exact plot but something bad had, had just happened and um they one of the people asked him one of his employees asked him hey why aren't you more angry and then he was like i can't lash out like some raging entitled maniac that's a white man's luxury Ooh, yeah right? yeah well then, yeah. we don't even have the freedom to be angry we don't have the freedom to be ourselves we don't have the freedom to you know because I've seen so many stories or you know people saying how like oh you know I'm an introvert I'm very quiet you know as and as a black woman in my office that makes them think I'm unapproachable that makes them think I'm angry about something that makes them think that I'm not a team player you know what I mean just because I'm introverted and I'm not very social so you don't even have the luxury of being yourself, you know what I mean? And I think that, you know, to be able to show up authentically in whatever space we occupy, that, that's part of what freedom is to me. So, yeah, I know that quote is, I feel like, spot on. Gotta watch that show, whatever that is, gotta watch it. The Boys? Oh, man. <laughs> season one was about classism, but season two was about racism. I was like, wow, I was not expecting this today. <laughs> Where is it at? Where is it? It's on Amazon. Um, it's Amazon Prime. It's an original Amazon show, and it's based on the comic series okay. of the same theme. And it's like, what if superheroes? What superheroes were real in America? But like, what if capitalism made them dicks? Like, that's really what it is. Like, what if? What if they were superheroes, but they, but you know, they were just awful people like the rest of us? Oh, I'm gonna plug in today. I'm yeah. interested now. Yeah, because that season one was a little bit about classism and sexism. 
And then season two was about racism and sexism. So, you know. Did you have any others on your list? Any others on my list? Um, I am sick of not being able to wear colorful hair without being called ghetto or trashy or Kool-Aid. But you know what? That goes back to freedom. You know what I mean? Like, why are you restricted and how you can express yourself because of other people's interpretation of what that looks like? And you know what? That's and also I will acknowledge that it's a place of privilege for us to feel like we can show up authentically in certain spaces because I'm at a point where I don't even bother to code switch anymore. I'm just like, I'm, you just gonna get me how I show up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it just, it, like, I just, I don't have, I don't have the energy, you know what I mean? And I think, but I recognize that that's a place of privilege, you know what I mean? To say that uh, I'm showing up to work however I'm showing up and you just go on it. You gonna like it, you know what I mean? Or you not, and that's, that's your business. But um, but I think it goes back to freedom. Yeah, like, why can't I wear six different colors in my hair? Like, why is that ghetto? Why is that unprofessional? Why is that, you know what I mean? Whatever stigma you've already attached to me, why is that some sort of manif- manifestation of that? Um, right. The-, the over-policing of the body, it's got to quit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think my last one is, like, my hope one thing that I desire to see for us is economic collaboration. Um, I think that so much of what troubles me about our condition is tied into economics and the opportunities that are taken away from us when we don't have financial means. And I'm not talking about like everyone should be rich or everyone should be, you know, I'm not, you know, not that universal income, right? Well, wait. What I mean is, is everybody should have their basic, you know, needs met and taken care of. It, you know, basic human dignities, like, um, you know what I mean. You, yeah. I that, and I think that that can happen for all of us. Like that's possible for all of us with economic collaboration. You know what I mean? And I think you know, like the example I gave earlier, is as simple as saying, "Hey, like." I'm, I'm in this job and I have an opportunity to maybe, you know, vouch for somebody to get this this opportunity. I'm going to do that because that's putting money back into our community. That's putting money into another black woman's pocket, another black man's pocket. Um, but I think it takes many forms and it, it can look very differently. But I think economic collaboration is something that I definitely would love to see more of from us and for us to get to a place where that's our first nature. You know what I mean? Not even technically, right. it's just our first nature to be like, how can I use my my financial resources for the betterment of my community? How can I use my financial resources to to uplift? Um, how can we collectively do that? I like that. I like that. I think that's, I think that's awesome. You I'm know. ready to join the commune. <laughs> just don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Oh my God, you know what? You talked about hair, right? And I feel like I would be remiss if I did not bring up this situation. You talked about hair. 
Gorilla Glue Girl. <sighs> so first, let me say this, right? I have an incredible amount of sympathy for her. Um, I know that it is funny. I am not going to sit here and pretend like it's not. Like, there's a <laughs> level of humor in this, because it is. It, if you know anything about Black people, is that we love to clown. And I mean... <laughs> She just put it out there for us. But at the same time, I do have an incredible amount of sympathy for her. And I really wish her well, because that is low-key traumatizing. Like, I feel like she... So a little background. So if somebody listening doesn't know, there is... I would say a young lady, but I don't think she's... She's 40. Yeah. So a a (laughs) woman... um, She made a TikTok video talking about how she used gorilla glue to gel her hair down and her hair has been stuck in the same place for over a month and she she went even like went to the emergency room like she used gorilla glue which is a a household product a chemical product that binds things together permanently semi-permanently and she put it on her hair and um it's been a, a journey for her to try to undo that damage because obviously it's not supposed to be in your hair. No, it's um, not. But I'm I'm worried for her. Um, I did see that like as of like this recording, she was like being flown out to like some sort of like cosmetic surgeon in like California or something. And they were gonna help her. And also, I saw a video where like she had applied some products to her hair and it was like starting to come a little loose and she was starting to be able to shave it off. But like her hair was like rock solid. Like it was hard. Like you could not shave it. You could not comb it. Like you could not do anything to it. It was stuck in place. And I just, I worry about like chemical burns. I'm worried about, you know, her taking her, her skin off. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm concerned. I mean, you know, she got a small head, so she could rock the bald. She could go natural again. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't feel sympathy. <laughs> I don't feel sympathy. And the reason why I don't feel sympathy is because you can't even get those products in the same type of store. You can never go into a hair store and get Gorilla Glue. And you're not going to, I mean, you might see got to be glue at like, you know, or like our gorilla snot at like a Target or whatever, but it's not even in the same section. So I, I don't know. I just don't feel sorry for her. <laughs> I was just about to say, um, actually, you can't get them at the same store. Because if you go to Walmart, <laughs> you can get both gorilla snot and gorilla glue. Not even yeah. in the same section. That is true. So, not, the same, not in the same section. Bro, that'd be like me. That'd be like me getting Comet powder bleach as powdered sugar. I can't even get that in the food section. How would I have thought that was powdered sugar? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say. I really don't. But what I do know is that I feel like most people have had the response that you've had. Like, girl... Clearly you're a little slow or no, not even that, but more so just like clout chasing, like, okay, we're going to be that you could do this and then put it on social media. And then I, I, I think I read somewhere, I don't know how she is, that she's considering legal action against Gorilla Glue. She should do legal action against herself. That's who she needs to do legal action against herself. So, oh my gosh. So Candace Marie Bimbo, she's in, um, an author she wrote a, a really what I thought was really a piece about how 
she deserves our empathy. Um, and I know everybody in the comments was like, you tradition, they were like, um, does she? <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay, I can have basic sympathy for, you know, the degradation of her human condition, but, you know, beyond that, no. <laughs> like, yo, this really sucks, it's happening to you, but lesson learned. That's like, that's how I feel. I mean, I just feel like it was a hard learned lesson that, I, yeah, right. But I, I think she talked about too, which was interesting, sort of the historical context around Black women and their hair and how, and these aren't her words, I'm paraphrasing a lot, but, uh, you know, just how there's this notion of never good enough, you know what I mean? Like it needs to be fried, dyed, and laid to the side in order yep. to be socially acceptable. You know, what are the conditions that makes her feel like her hair needs to be so put together that she needs to use industrial strength glue to do it, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. in a world where our natural hair is more acceptable, where our frizz and our naps and our B2B and all of that are not frowned upon, does this situation happen in that context? No, it wouldn't, because we wouldn't have all that internalized racism telling us that our hair has to be completely black. And I think that's where the, for me, for me, that's where the empathy comes from. But but no, I, I think there's a lot of opinions, but I felt like we would be remiss if we did not talk about homegirl. And I really do wish her the best of luck. I hope that like there is minimal permanent damage to her hair follicles, to her her skin. I you know, I really wish her the best after all. Of I hope people eventually stop talking bad about her though. You know, because that can really weigh in on me after a while. It'll it'll die down in two weeks, everyone. Yeah, people forget. (laughs) People forget. Did you watch Malcolm and Marie? Okay, so I had started it, but at the time I was, like, really tired, so I ended up falling asleep. But based on, like, what I have seen and then based on what other people's comments, which confirmed what I already thought, this isn't a real love story. And it's, like, struggle love. And you just watching these people argue for two hours. That That's exactly what it is. I mean, I, enjoy, I enjoyed the movie, though. I mean, my expectations were lower than low. And so it really had no place else to go but up. But I enjoyed it. Like it, it was yeah. like I mean, I do, I do feel what some people were saying. Like it was stressful. You know what I mean? To just watch their toxicity for two hours because they was like, you know, it really is like they're sitting in the the house and they're arguing for the whole movie. And Malcolm is he's he's trifling, but Marie is also trifling, and they're just doing trifling stuff for two hours together. I Good though, I you know, I felt like it felt it felt like reality TV. Like you tune in for the drama. You want to you want to see somebody throw a drink in someone's face. That's why you watch reality TV, and that's if how. I had, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that was it. Uh, I was gonna say, if I hadn't already seen a Marriage Story, maybe I would care about this movie because a Marriage Story, I think, does what they're trying to do a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you seen it? No, I have not. It was one of Obama's recommended movies. Um, (laughs) But it's a really good movie. It's about this married couple. And like, even though it's called a marriage story, you're really just watching the breakdown of the marriage and them going through the divorce process and like the constant fighting back and forth. And like, you see why he's a messed up person, but then she she a little messed up too. And then you kind of see where all their communication errors are because like you'll flash from his perspective and then to her perspective. 
Like, it's really good. And I feel like that's what Malcolm Marie were trying to Yeah, it, it sounds exactly like you're describing Malcolm and Marie, except they're they black. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that contributed nothing to the diaspora. First of all, we already got Shonda Rhimes writing the storylines every two weeks. We don't need another <laughs> one. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. That's the first take that I didn't didn't expect. But I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie for the, for what it was. I mean, look, I'm already paying for Netflix. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like I had to drop any additional money to watch this movie. And I mean, I love Zendaya. Um, this was really, I think, maybe the this was only like the second thing I see, John. David Washington in, um, yeah. but you know, but I enjoyed him too, and, and it was interesting just to see this role because it, it felt very different for Zendaya to me. Well, yeah. I thought it was going to be very different, and then I take it back because as I watched it, I was like, um, this is just her Euphoria character, but slightly older, so it wasn't as different as I thought it was going to be. But overall, it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Her character kind of reminds me a little bit of her character in Euphoria. It well, is produced by the same guy that produces. I think she produced it with somebody she works with on Euphoria, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. in the the cast, uh, not the cast, but the crew is also her crew from Euphoria. So there's a lot of overlap there. So that that made a lot of sense when I was like, yeah, this is just Rue, whatever the character's name is. Yeah. But she's just slightly older now. Okay. <laughs> but it, it, like I said, I already, I'm already paying for Netflix. It, I killed two hours of my time, and I really did not hate it. It was, it was all right. One thing that feels off though is that it, it didn't even feel like a realistic match. You know, not to say that John David Washington isn't good looking. But, you know, I have a really hard time seeing Zendaya, seeing him and being like, that's my man. Like, you know, I just don't see it. They don't seem like the type of couple that we all together. So, okay, so many people had that same criticism. One with the age difference, like, oh my God, he's so much older. Yes. I, I just really didn't find the same problem with it. Like, I did. I felt like they, I do feel like they with his look to make the match aesthetically make a little bit more sense but I mean he is good looking and she's good looking like how hard is it wasn't it wasn't hard for me to believe like it wasn't her and I don't I don't I didn't have qualms with Zendaya's age or whatever because I don't know maybe because in real life we're around the same age and I'm like I'm fully grown I got a whole mortgage to pay like this yeah because a lot of people were like, oh, I can't stop seeing her as a child. I'm like, um, my mortgage company don't see me as a child. Like, they see me as a full-grown adult. So I don't, I don't know. So I didn't have that same qualm. And I also didn't have a qualm with the age difference that a lot of people seem to have. But I don't know. This definitely, I definitely found it interesting listening to everyone's dialogues. I think it's, but I feel like it's emphasized because, I mean, based on what I see in the movie, it just seems like she's the immature character. Which, you know, you know why she's the immature character. She's the immature character because she's so much younger than him. And she's more, you know, she's more, inex- she's inexperienced. And she doesn't have, you know, she didn't go through all the same things that he was able to go through by the time they met. You know? I, dis- I disagree. I think he came off equally as immature as she did. <laughs> like, he was, like, the way he was punching below the belt, like, during the argument. Like, I, I definitely don't think that, like, they made her come off any more... 
immature than him. I think if anything, her substance abuse issues has made her look a little bit more problematic at times. But I feel like they quickly made up for that because he was also very problematic. Uh, go, go back and finish watching the whole thing. You'll see. He was not. He he was a child. I mean, but I feel like that's more of like a statement of not because he's inexperienced, but because he's manipulative. And this is why he's with the younger woman, because mm-hmm. any woman that was his age would never be with him. And that's why he's going for younger women. And well, that is a problem. Well, then the casting made perfect sense, didn't it? Yeah, I guess in that sense. Yeah, but it's just... <laughs> It just seems like it just seems like he's be he probably I'm I haven't even finished the movie, but he definitely seems like the type to be like, you know, you're just younger, you don't understand. Like I could totally see him saying that to his girlfriend. And see, this is why I don't date younger uh, older guys. Cause I don't want anybody saying that to me. It feels weird. Now I gotta break up with you because you made me feel weird about it. Oh my gosh. But anyway, I you know, I definitely like I said, not a bad flick. Especially, I mean, it was it was Black History Month and like even though both of the characters were kind of like a little bit toxic it wasn't like a trauma movie and you know how sick of those i'm well personally how sick of those i am like i don't because it's black history month like i don't want to watch roots or roots like productions (laughs) like i that's not what i want to see on tv you know what i mean so i so i definitely enjoyed it um but yeah anything else before we wrap up well, I'm happy that we got to talk and I do have more evidence that my job doesn't like black people. So I went into the break room today. First of all, I, I don't know if anyone else had heard the episode last week, but my job made us work on MLK Day. And I was like, y'all don't like black people. I went into the break room and it's Black History Month. I've never seen them use this flavor of Red Bull. Why are all the Red Bulls watermelon flavor? <laughs> Brianna. <laughs> I never see every other month. It's been blueberry, green apple, cranberry. I never seen them use watermelon. Black History Month, all the Red Bulls are watermelon. Come on. And there's a lot of black people that work in my office. Why did you do that? That was a diversity equity initiative gone wrong. Okay, after literally after we're done recording, I have to go to the inaugural meeting at my job's diversity and inclusion committee. <laughs> if one of their suggestions is for us to have watermelon flavor Red Bull, <laughs> they're gonna have to escort me out the Zoom room. <laughs> they're gonna have to fire me because if that's if that's the type of if that's how if that's how we come in. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I was I would straight up ask them, be like, um, so was this part of <laughs> was this part of the, the you know the display for the Black History Month initiative? Is that what this was? <laughs> <laughs> I should. I thought about it. I thought about messaging my supervisor, but I was like, I ain't got the energy today. <laughs> like, I, and on that note, go ahead. Go ahead and protest. All right, I'm gonna protest after. <laughs> you know, people can't see, but I got my little Wakanda arms up. So you know. And, and yes, on that note, time for you to get some rest because that that sounds exhausting. I'm exhausted for you. <laughs> Stay black, y'all. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah.